and it's turned on over here. I think I forgot to turn this on. We'll go live. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been on this scripture here now for, ah, uh, I guess this would be about our fourth week we've been talking about this scripture. And uh, the Lord's just not done with it. And he said, I want you to talk some more about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You there? Look at verse 1. Turn me down a little bit. A little bit of feedback. I'm not Jimmy. <laughs> All right. Verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Or, in other words, I would, you, I would not have you ignore those things. Sp you know, it says spiritual gifts. That word gifts is italicized. So what that means is it wasn't in the original text. So there's some things of the Spirit that uh, Paul's talking about. He does not want us to ignore or to be ignorant of. All right? There's a difference between being ignorant and stupid. You know, ignorant, all right, means you don't know. Stupid is you know and you still go ahead and do it anyway. That's stupid. Okay. So Paul's talking about, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignore things of the Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about gifts that the enemy wants hidden. There's gifts and things of the Spirit the enemy wants hidden in your life. He does not want you to understand how they operate. Because if you figure it out, <laughs> it changes the whole ball game. You know, it's kind of like a football game. You know, if you know the plays that the other team is going to run, uh, it's like no contest, right? Because you know what they're going to do. And see, that's really what happens here with Satan is he doesn't want you getting into this word and finding out what place he's going to run. Can we find out what? Oh, yeah, yeah. The word will tell you. It'll tell you what the enemy's going to do. His, his thing is he wants to stop you from figuring that out and understanding some things. So let's, uh, let's go with me to Colossians chapter uh, 3. Colossians 3. I want to look at a few scriptures here pretty quick, just to give you a basis here. Hallelujah. Colossians 3. And uh, let's pick it up here in verse 1. It says, if you then be risen with Christ, that means you're born again. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, it's not talking about you seeking heaven and, and wanting to go there. It's talking about spiritual things, or things of the Spirit. Seek things that are from above, things of the Spirit. That's, that's where the things of the Spirit come from, from above. All right, so seek those things. Look here, verse 2, it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So what the, one of the things that the, the enemy is going to do is he wants you to set your affection on things on the earth. Right? He wants you to elevate things in your life to the degree that's what your focus is on. Because if he can get you focused on that, you're not going to focus on things of the Spirit. Because if, if all you're thinking about is the new car that you're going to get or the new truck or the new home or the new this or new that, that's what you're going to be focused on. 
Meanwhile, the things of the Spirit are just going to slip right by and you'll, you'll never see them. Now look here. Here's the next verse, and it's very important. Verse 3. This is what we're trying to get to. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So when, 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 when you gave your life to Jesus, that old man in you or old woman in you, they died. I'm the, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I died. That old Mike that, that people know from my past, my relatives and all that, I, he, he's not here no more. He's dead. Thank God. Uh, I don't do those things anymore. I don't even think those ways anymore because I died. And the more that I, I, that I got into the Word and, get, and studied the Word and looked into the Word, something supernatural starts to take place. It starts, I start seeing what Jesus is doing in me and has done in me. All right, so it says, For I'm dead and my life is hid with Christ, with the, with the anointing. That's what that word Christ means. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the anointed one. He is the anointed one. And by definition, if you look back in Isaiah, I believe it's 27 somewhere in there, it says that the anointing destroys the yoke and it lifts the burden. All right? Talks about in Acts 10 how God anointed Jesus Christ, Jesus uh, of Nazareth with the anointing, and he went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. All right? So he went about doing good and healing all. How did he do? By the anointing. So your life is hid in Christ Jesus. You're going to have to study Scripture. You're going to have to spend time in the Word. You're going to have to come to church and hear the Word of God because you're not going to... Faith comes by hearing, right? We talked about this last week. It doesn't come by what you heard two weeks ago. You can't live tomorrow off of today's faith. You've got to have faith for that day. All right, so you go back, what do you do? You go back to Facebook, you go back to when we're online and we've got uh, uh, Podbean and some of those other ones. You can go listen to the message again. Why? Because faith comes every day. You need faith every day. You know, just as I said before, you know, talking about the Holy Ghost, you need to be filled with the Spirit, and you need to be led by the Spirit, especially even just going to Walmart. You need that leading. You don't just go off someplace and do something and, and never consider the, the, the Spirit of God. Lord, am I supposed to go there? Why? Because, you know, it, it's not necessarily that there's something bad there. Maybe there's something better that you're going there to get that, that He can take you to another place. Maybe the same thing's on sale at, at a different place. So he says, you know, go over here. And you go over there and you find out you saved $10. Just by what? Consulting the Holy Spirit. Or you save more money than that. You know, you see what I'm talking about? The, the, the Spirit of God, the Comforter, is to lead us and guide us into all what? Truth. Truth. Why wouldn't you want to consult him? Why wouldn't you want to spend time with him? Why wouldn't you want to get to know him? You would, right? If, you, if, if you're wanting good things in your life, you're going, to spend, you're going to spend time in his word. You're going to spend time coming to church. If you're, you know, we talked about this, I believe it was last week, we talked about the three different types of Christians. The spiritual Christian does what? If, you, if, if you're spiritual... You, you, you give in tithes and offerings. You come to church. You spend time in church. See, you can check yourself out. 
If you're not faithful in coming to church, faithful in giving, faithful in spending time in the Word, you're not spiritual. You know, you're, you're, you're just not. Now let's look at another one. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Yeah, we're back in the Old Testament here. 1 Samuel 15. And here's an interesting thing, a spiritual thing that, that we found out in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel 15... The prophet Samuel says this. He says this, uh, speaking by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, to, in verse 22, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't ever get those two confused. Some people think, well, if I just give up this, God will look favorably. No, he's looking for your obedience more than your sacrifice. Because you're, if you're obedient, you'll know the right sacrifice to give. But see, you can get so hung up on sacrifice, well, I'm giving this up for the Lord. And, you know, you, you get to heaven one day and you find out the Lord said, you didn't sacrifice that for me. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I gave it up. I didn't tell you to do that. Huh? What do you mean you did? I, 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 I did it for... If you'd have been obedient... preach. I might be some more better amens over here. If, if you're obedient, all right, he said if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Right? If you're willing and obedient. Brother Hagin had this happen to him. And he, was, you know, he was in a traveling ministry and uh, one day he came home and he was, he was complaining to the father. He said, Lord, you know, he said, I've been out here for years ministering out in the field, and, and uh, we're always coming up short on money. And uh, Christmas is coming up, and I don't have, we, we don't have presents for the kids. And he said, you said in your word, if, if you be willing and obedient, you'd eat the good of the land, and I'm not eating the good of the land. He said, that's because you don't qualify. I said, what do you mean I don't qualify? He said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, yeah, my word says if you're willing and obedient. You were, you were obedient, but every time you go out in the field, you complain about this and you complain about that. You weren't very willing. And Brother Hagin said, you know how long it took me to get willing? About three, three nanoseconds. He said, Lord, I'm willing now. I'll go. I won't complain about going and, and being away from my family. And his finances changed. Simply by being willing and obedient. You know... I didn't plan on saying anything about this until, I, and I didn't know what uh, Brother Matt was going to talk about, but you know, considering, it, considering the tithes and that. You know, years ago when I, when I first started hearing about tithes, I was like, man, 10%. Whew. That's a lot. I'm figuring my bills in my head, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to pay my bills. If I give 10%, I'm going to lose, I, I, I'm going to come up short. Well, you know, I kept hearing message after message about, about it. Finally, I said, you know, I'm just going to start, give, I'm just start giving 10%. And the next thing you know, all my bills are getting paid. I'm getting increases at work. 
my income's starting to increase. I'm still giving 10%. And I'm giving offerings too. And then I noticed that people around me that weren't tithing, they were always broke. And I was having money left over at the end of the month. Maybe not a lot, but I had money left over. What was happening? Something supernatural was taking place in my life that I didn't fully understand, but I understood the importance of tithing. Again, willing and obedience. All right? You've got to make your own decisions. But God's promises are true. He said if you'll be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now let's go to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to look here at a scripture. I'm going to show you something here in the word that the devil does not want you to see this. Because this is how he operates. Believe it or not, as Jesus is ministering, do you think Satan just sits back and says, oh, this is the Son of God. I'm not going to mess with these people. Oh, no, no, no. No, he's, he's right involved in everything. He didn't stop at the Son of God. So if he didn't stop at Jesus, he ain't going to stop with you or me. But we've got to be ready. All right? Luke chapter 11, you there? And let's pick it up here in verse uh, 14. It says, and, when he, and he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, that the dumb spoke, and the people wondered. So what happened? He, just, he cast a devil out of a, a person that couldn't talk, and all of a sudden they could talk. Verse 15, But some of them said he cast out devils through Be Beelzebub, the chief of the devils, and others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, but he verse 17, Knowing their thoughts said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself, is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house will fall. Verse 18, If Satan also being divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? It won't. Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I be Beelzebub, cast out devils by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. He's casting out devils. So guess what? The kingdom of God, it's, it's come. It's 2,000 years ago. Verse 21. Now see, he, now he, he's going to go into a little bit more teaching here to give you a revelation. If you're paying attention. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace... His goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him all his armor wherein he trusted, and he divides his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Now, listen to what he's talking about here. You've got to get a revelation. The, the first one, the first person that has a strong arm, keepeth his palace, okay? That's talking about somebody just protecting their home. All right? Any person naturally would protect their home. Right? I mean, if you live in a not-too-good neighborhood, you're not going to leave the front door open. You're going to lock the door. Right? You're going to put some night lights up and some things up just to be a little safe in that neighborhood. Some things you might even have, you might even have a gun that you have that you, you, you sleep with next to your nightstand. All right? 
Well, you do it. You're just trying to protect your place. You might even get a dog that, <laughs> and train a dog to, to help protect your... You're just protecting your home. But here he says now, but when a stronger man comes, somebody that has some power over you and you don't know it, and he steals your goods, and he sells them, all right? He sells everything that he stole from you. And then Jesus says this. Now, he's talking about the devil here. Verse 23, he that is not with me is against me. And in other words, if you're not a Christian, you're not walking with the Lord, you're against him. The stronger man is going to come into your house, he's going to steal from you, take things from you, and sell what he got from you. Use whatever he got from you. But let's go on here. Verse 24 now. He, he, he changes it a little bit in another way. When the unclean spirit, now he's talking about the demonic realm. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through the dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return to my house where I came out. Let's just stop right there. Notice this about the devil. Demons. When they're cast out of a person, they're, they're cast out into dry places. Devils do not like dry places. They like moist places. What do I mean by moist? Flesh. Yeah, they don't like to be where they're not inhabiting a person or an animal or something with blood in it. They like moist places. So, he says... I will return into my house once I came out. Well, first of all, it's not his house. He's a liar. But see, he's got it. This is his attitude. He's got it in his head that you or somebody that, that had the devil cast out of him is his place. That's his attitude. What are you going to do? You better change his attitude real quick. You better know how to change the devil's attitude. And now let's go on here. Verse 25, it says, And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. And in other words, the, me the mess that he created is cleaned up. The flower pot that was spilt on the front porch is picked up, and sweat, the dirt swept and put back in, the flowers are sit. It looks nice and neat. The tables inside that were completely tipped over and, and thrown on its side, they're sitting back up and they, they've been wiped down. The chairs are put back under them nice and neat. Everything looks pretty good. It says, here's what happens though. Other than that, nothing's really changed. Right? You've got to see something here. The place is cleaned up, but other than that, nothing's changed. It's clean but it's not really changed. Verse 26, Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is wrong, is worse than the first. What has to happen? When a devil is cast out of you, or away from you, in the case of, you know, a, a person that's not a Christian could be filled with a, with a, with a demonic spirit. Now, can a Christian be? No, but it be, can it be influenced by a demonic spirit.
when that demonic spirit is cast out of you, if you don't take your house, your body, your temple, and fill it with the Word of God and get it into line with the kingdom, that demon will come back and he'll have seven other demons and you'll be worse off than you were then. This is what happens. That's why it's so important. I know we've got two people here, maybe three more, that you're, you're brand new in the Lord. Your next two to three years being in church and being here consistently is going to make all the difference in your life. Because the devil does not want you pursuing what you've, what you've taken part of. All right? And we're going to talk about that part of it here in just a little bit. The more you're in the house of God, the more you're in the Word, the more you're studying, and you're open to the things of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come into your, into your, your temple, and He's going to fill it with things. So when that demon comes back and he sees, not only is the house put back together right, but it's filled with something. It's got some power in it. But if he sees there's no power in there, he just walks right back on it. And brings seven demons with him in a case that is worse. There is a, you remember this instance with, with, D, with Jesus going over the Sea of Galilee and he come to this, uh, the man in the Gadarenes that had a legion of demons in him. A legion is somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 men. So this man had 1,200 to 1,500 demons in him. Jesus cast the devil out, and the, devil's, the devil is there, and he says, Jesus says to him, what is your name? And he says, we are legion, for we are many. Now, the, Jesus has told him, come out of him. Now, back up a little bit, because this man with twelve to 1,500 demons in him, when he sees Jesus, he runs to Jesus, it says, and he worshipped him. Not even 1,200 or 1,500 demons can stop a person from worshiping Jesus. We've been talking about the power of worship. Worship is so powerful. It's one of the most powerful tools you have. You know, uh, we talked about Norval Hayes, the, the revelation he got from the Lord. He said, my, peace, my people basically love me. But they're sick, they're broke, and they're depressed because they don't worship me long enough. Long enough. Now, just a show of hands. Raise your hand if you have any physical ailments in your body. Physical, anybody with any physical ailments in your body, raise your hand if you, if you have those. Look around just to see. All right. Now, if you have any financial issues in your life that are problems, raise your hand if, if that's you. Okay? So, looking around, we see, we see that covers basically almost everybody here. What's the lesson? Worship Him longer. Worship Him. Worship Him. Spend more time worshiping. More time worshiping. You say, well, Pastor, but I do. I, I spend 10 to 15 minutes. Go 30. Well, Pastor, I do, I do do 30. Do an hour. Well, Pastor, I do do an hour. Do two hours then. I'm telling you, worship brings the presence 
And in His presence is fullness of joy. And in other words, you can't be sick. You can't be broke. Because in His presence, none of that's allowed. Why do you think we come to church? Why do you think we worship and sing songs like in His presence? Because in His presence, it changes everything. There's some of you here today because of His presence. You're going to receive healing. I'm not even going to pray for you. It's just His presence. His presence is bringing healing to your body right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Right now. Now, he preaches this powerful message. Let's look at verse 27. Like I said, you think the devil's just going to sit back and not do anything? Pay attention. Remember Nehemiah? Talked about that maybe a little bit last week. Remember Nehemiah building the, the, rebuilding the walls? And the walls represented what? Protection on Jerusalem. And how Sanballat and all them come and try to distract, get him from stop building that wall because they didn't want the Israel, Israelites to be protected. They wanted them to be opened. And he, the la, one of the last things he did said, well, come down off that wall and let's worship. Let's spend some time worshiping. No, the Lord told him to build the wall, not get down off of it until it was done. Remember, obedience is more than sacrifice. All right? So the enemy will always try to distract you. He does that in the natural today. We're seeing it happen in the news. Something big in the news will take place, and people don't even pick up on it, and the news media don't want to talk about it, and then a day later there's a shooting. And that's all they talk about is the shooting. They don't talk about what happened the day, two days before that that the news media wouldn't even cover. Why? It's distractions. Don't look here. Look over there. Okay. Here we go. Verse 27. It came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare you and the paps which you have sucked. What is this? He's talking about spiritual warfare here, and now she's talking about blessed are the, is the woman that bear you. And he said, verse 28, but he said, yes, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. A distraction. He says, no, no, no. Blessed are those that hear the word and they do it. They keep it. The devil was influencing this woman to try to give praise to his mom. He's not talking about his mother. He, he loves his mother. He's, he's, there's not a problem there. But that's what the devil will do when you're involved in the things of God. He'll try to distract you. You're in church. You, got your, you forgot to turn your phone off. All of a sudden, you get a phone call. Oh, i got to take this call. You, you, you miss church. You miss what the Spirit of God is saying because of a phone call. 30 years ago, we didn't have phones. Well, what if something important happened? It just waited. God was still on the throne back then. 
He was still man back then. But we open ourselves to so many distractions and we don't even realize it. The devil's distracting you. Oh, don't come to church because it's too cold outside. Don't come to church because it's snow, snowing outside. Don't come to church because of this. Don't, it's too hot outside. Whatever. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And, and it works. It does work. Because people are influenced by it. Let me ask you. As a, if you were a sick person and you needed medical care, would you go to the hospital? Right, you'd go to the hospital. And if they gave you medication and they said, take this pill three times a day, you'd take it, wouldn't you? Why? Because that's what they said. But when you've got, a, when you got a, a spiritual problem in your life, and it comes time to come to church. Well, I don't feel like going today. It's too this or too that. Too much of this. Too much of the place that can actually help you and inspire you and put the word of God in you, faith in you, you stay away from. Why? Because you're distracted. Now, on that on that term. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul. says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, if He tells you to be strong in the Lord, what's He saying? It's possible to be weak in the Lord. But He's telling everybody, be strong in the Lord. What's He mean by be strong in the Lord? Be strong in His Word. Be strong in His presence. Be strong in understanding this, this Bible right here. Knowing it. Now I realize there's new people. Some people are new and they, and they don't have enough of the Word in them. But be strong in the little bit that you got. Because that's where God's grace and mercy comes in. Because when a new person that gives their life, or maybe you've only been with the Lord a year or so, that grace and mercy is with you. Because what? He, he knows you're new. He knows you're new. He's working with you. But after a period of time, all right, that grace and mercy is going to want you to grow up. It's going to, it's going to leave you on your own. I, I'm not, I don't know how long that takes, but you, know, you, you can't be a new Christian for 20, 30 years. It's like this one comedian I heard, he was talking about his sister had this son, and her son, she got excited because he went outside one day and he pointed up in the sky and he said, Ma, ma, air pain, air pain. And she came inside and, and she said, see, my, my little boy looks up and says, airplane, airplane. He, and he says, Mom, he's 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's something you would expect out of a three-year-old, not a 30-year-old. 
But see, some people in, 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 as a Christian, they're that way. They've been walking with God 20, 30 years. They don't know hardly anything in this book. They don't understand anything about the demonic realm. Why? Because they're, they're still on milk. They, that Paul even talked about, he said, you should be on meat. You should be teaching the Word of God by this point. But instead, you're still on the milk of the Word. Right? So be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. His power. It's in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What does God say about your situation? Nothing against hospitals, nothing against doctors. They're fine. But you know what? When you get sick, your first reaction shouldn't be to go to the medicine cabinet. Your first reaction should be, Father, what's going on here? What do I need to do? What is that? That's my faith. Standing in the, in, in the power of God. That's, being, that's called being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You take that word, you do, you, you do warfare. Here we go, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <laughs> the wiles of the devil. For we Look here, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the... These are all demons against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are all demons. We wrestle not. And that word wrestle, it's actually a fight. You're a war. It talks about, Paul talks about fighting the good fight of faith. A lot of people having things going on in their lives and they're wondering, where's God in all this? Why isn't God doing something? It's because you're in a battle. You're in a fight. And the quicker you get a real revelation that you are actually in a fight and you can, you can fight back, the devil's going to clean your clock. It would be like me getting in, into a boxing ring with Mike Tyson and not even know that I'm in a fight. And the bell sounds and Mike comes out and hits me in the head and knocks me right to the floor. And I, get down, and I go down and I, and I try to get up and I say, Wow! My land, I get that. That hurt. Whoa, whoa! What in the world is going on here? And the referee comes in, and says, "You okay?" Yeah, I'm okay. I didn't even know what hit me. He says, "Okay, continue." And he comes over, and Mike comes over again. Wow, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm laying on my back. And I'm next thing I know, I'm looking up, and there are lights. And I'm seeing lights up above them. What in the world's going on? You're in a fight. You better, get your, you better get your gloves up. You better get your stance right. Because he's coming back. And see, that's where a lot of Christians are. They don't, even, they don't even know they're in a fight. And the devil's out to beat you. He, he's not playing games. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. 
That's what he does. You know, I, I like this. Well, I don't watch movies anymore, but when I did, there was a, a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger called The Terminator. I think it was the first one, Terminator. And this guy who finds out about the Terminator, he goes into this police station. And he's filing a report, and, the, and he's telling the police. And, and the policemen are asking him questions about this guy. He says, finally, he just gets mad. He says, don't you understand? This is a cyborg. All he does is kill, kill, kill. That's all he does. When will you people wake up? That's what Jesus was saying. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he does. He steals, he kills, he destroys. Jesus said, I came to give you life, and life in abundance. So if it's not good, it's the devil. If it's bad, it's not Jesus, it's the devil. You're in a fight. And that's what Paul's talking about here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against demonic forces. Now, he says here in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I want to describe that, that word wiles. And I'm going to use my book here. Paul Renner, or Rick Renner, Paul's his son, wrote this book, Dressed to Kill, 1991. Brother Kenneth Hagin, before he went to heaven, he'd take this book and he'd preach from it right out of the pulpit. It's this powerful of a book. And, and, and Rick Renner says this. He breaks a lot of the Greek and the Hebrew down so you understand what it means. He says the word wiles are devices and deception. He said in the review, the word wiles is taken from the, the Greek word Methodos. Can you, can you think of any English word we get out of that? Methodos? Methods. All right. This word is a compound of the word meta, which means with, and the word odos, the word for a road. The word odos is where we get the word odometer, which is the instrument in your car that measures how many miles you have driven on the road. Taken as one word, methodos literally means with a road. All right? So, we're, we're, we're wise to the methods, the wiles uh, of the devil. All right? Then in 2 Corinthians, it also mentions this word. He says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. All right? That word devices is a Greek word that translates uh, a scheming of the mind. A modern-day translation of this verse could read, we are not ignorant of the mind games that the devil tries to pull on us. So what's he attacking? Your mind. The devil will attack your mind. And that's what Paul was talking about here. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the methods, the devices of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Verse let's drop down here, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. All right? Talks about girding about with truth. What's, what's the truth here? It's the Word of God. 
It's the truth, the true word of God. You know, weightlifters will put a, a belt on to, what, to, hold, to hold everything together so when they go to lift up a heavy weight, they're able to pick it up and not lose everything on the inside. This is what, he's, what Paul's talking about. Having your, having your, you gird about with truth, all right? So that when you, when you enter this fight, you've got the word of truth with you. All right, he goes on to say, he says, uh, uh, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. What's the breastplate of righteousness? It's right standing. Or we could say it this way, the right things of God. Putting on the right things of God. All right, and you're and you're understanding that the revelation of the of the of the of the righteousness. He says, he goes on to say here, um, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're walking in peace. You're walking in peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Notice what it says here: the shield of faith allows you to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's the helmet of salvation? It's the Word. It's taking the Word and having it dominate your mind. Because the helmet of salvation does what? It protects you against the wiles of the devil, the, meth the methods of the devil. Because he's attacking, he's attacking your mind. If you fill your mind with the Word of God when that attack comes, you're, you're not going to respond to that attack. Right? Because you've got the mind of Christ. So when you've got the helmet of salvation on, and see, we're not talking about you sitting down at your bed and saying, well, I'm putting on uh, the, the girding myself with the truth, the breastplate. No, 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 no. These are things that you do, you flow in all the time. You put these things on all the time. You keep your mind guarded with the, with, with the helmet of salvation. That's how you're able... What's the evil day? It's the day that you're under attack. That's the evil day. The, the evil day is the day that you are attacked. Now, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. See, those are gifts. Those are things that that the devil wants to keep hidden from you. He doesn't want you to understand those. Why? Because he's out to kill you. He's literally out to kill you. You know, I was listening to Doc Barkley, who hopefully in the future we'll get him here. Now when he does, people better show, we, we, we better show up. I mean, this guy is a, is a, is a retired Marine Corps drill instructor. Even though that was... 40 years ago. He was, he was telling me about one time when he was in Vietnam, they, they sent him out to a fire base to find, because there was a high casualty rate. And they said, send him out to go out and check it in, 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 in Vietnam. So he said, I'm flying out in the helicopter. He says, before I'm even landing, I'm already seeing problems. He said, I got off the helicopter and, I, and he said, I walked over to, a, to a, a, a Marine Corps and he said, his gun was six feet away. He said, what's your gun doing six feet away from you? And where are your boots? Yeah. 
And where, where's your helmet at? He said, look, let me guess. You guys got a, play, you guys got a contract with the enemy that today uh, we feel kind of tired, so we don't want to fight. We're going to take time out. Your enemy's going to kill you. They're not taking time out. And he went back to, he went back to his commander and told him, this is the reason why they're not, they're not following protocol. There's things they should be doing every day, and they're not doing it. That's why people are getting killed. That's back in the Vietnam War. It's a war. Because they got relaxed. They got comfortable. All right. Ephesians 4, you there? Verse 11. These are Jesus' gifts He gave to us. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And He, being Jesus, gave some apostles. That word some means a few. Not all of them. A few of them. Some prophets. Some evangelists. Some pastors. And teachers. For the perfecting of the saints... And that word perfecting means for the growing up, maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ or the building up of the body of Christ. And in other words, how are you going to learn about wrestling against the enemy and putting on the armor of God if you don't have these gifts? You're not. You know, Ephesians that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus was one long letter. It didn't have chapters and verses in it. It's one long letter. If you'll notice, the gifts that Jesus gave came before putting on the armor of God. Why? Because it's these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, it's those that are going to teach us and keep us informed about what the enemy is doing and, what, and who you are in Christ so that you don't get complacent. Because here's something that will happen. It happens to every Christian, you'll have to fight it. You get complacent. Well, I don't have to read my Bible today. You know, I've read it for the last seven days in a row. I can take one day off. Next thing you know, it's two days off. Or next thing you know, you go another five, six days, and then you take three days off of reading it. Then you read it for another three or four days, and you take seven days off of reading it. Then here what happens is, two months later, you haven't picked up your Bible in weeks. When's the last time you came to church? Uh, I don't know. Six months ago, I think. And you wonder why all these things are happening. Because you're not... You, it's what you're honoring. If you'll honor God, He'll honor you. Right? If you honor Him... He will honor you. Praise God. Now, one last scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And here is, the, here is probably the most important one. That He wants to keep from you. He wants, kept, he wants hidden from you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Follow after charity or love. 
and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Verse 2, here's what we're going to get into. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Think about that. When you pray in tongues, when you speak in tongues, it says you speak mysteries. A man, man doesn't know what you're talking about. But you're not speaking unto man. It says you're speaking unto God. Something supernatural takes place when you or I speak in tongues to the Father. I'm not talking about giving a tongue in church. That's a different type of tongue. I'm talking about your prayer language type of tongue. And you know, there's times I say, let's all pray in the Spirit. Well, we're not looking for, we're not lo looking for a, 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 a um, interpretation of it. We're just praying. We're all praying to God together as one. We're, we're in unity. When you pray in the Spirit, you speak mysteries. The devil has no idea what you're saying. When I pray in English, he understands everything I say. So you better watch what you say in English. The devil will understand everything you say when you, when you preach, when you speak in English. So don't go before the Lord and say, Lord, you know I got this, I got this problem with uh, alcohol. Well, the devil just heard you. Hey, guys, it's working. Keep it up. Keep it up. Whatever you're doing there, keep that. Keep bringing that alcohol to. Keep bringing those friends around. It's working. So you got to watch. Just pray in the spirit. If you don't know how to pray, sometimes I just say, Lord, I'm gonna pray in the spirit about this situation. I'll pray. Give you an example. In World War II, there was an event that happened. It was probably what actually saved the war for the United States against Japan. The United States, in order to get messages sent back and forth between the lines and get people in the right places and doing the right thing, the Japanese could interpret every, every message they sent. And what we did is we got Navajo Indians, and the Navajo Indians spoke their native tongue. They call them the wind talkers. And they spoke their native tongues, and the Japanese could not fear, they could not break the code. They could not understand what the United States was doing or getting ready to do because they didn't understand Navajo. And they had no idea how to break that code. They broke every other code. They broke every code the U.S. had. They could not break the Navajo code. And the little that I understand about the Navajo code is their words are all in pictures. So when they say something, cow, it means something. See, that doesn't, doesn't go with normal language. And that's how the, 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 Navajo, the Navajo speak. So the Japanese could not interpret so we were able to get people to the right places at the right times doing the right things, and the Japanese could not, did not find out our plans. And that's why we were successful. That right there is a good interpretation of the importance of speaking in tongues because when you pray in tongue, the devil cannot figure out what's going on. That's why those are the perfect prayers. You praying in the Holy Spirit, those are the perfect prayers because the devil can't figure them out. He has no idea. And here's what happens. I'll pray in the Spirit about a problem, and all of a sudden, the, you know, 
Because, you know, you go in, you got a situation going on and you feel it. Right? You feel it. You feel there's, there, there's a problem. I'll pray in the Spirit sometimes for 15 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes two. But usually within about a half an hour, I feel this weight lifted off me. And I know it's done. And you know what? It is done. The whole situation changes. Why? Because I'm praying to the Father. I'm asking the Father. See, that's why Satan has fought this, this gift from the church for years and years. You know, I've heard people say, well, speaking in tongues of, uh, is of the devil. Well, let me just say this. Before I started walking with the Lord, I hung out in bars. I drank a lot of alcohol. I did a lot of drugs. And nobody ever asked me, hey, Mike, you want to go out and do some tongues? They never asked me to do that. Shots of whiskey, you know, snorting lines. Yeah, we did all that stuff. But we, 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 never, we never did tongues. We never did tongues. Tongues is only in the church. It's the power of God. And the devil has got a lot of the church afraid of speaking in tongues. Well, we don't want to go to church because they speak in tongues. Well, okay, they're scriptural. You got something wrong with scripture? Well, that's not what my, that's not what my pastor believes. You got the wrong pastor. You got the wrong church. Yeah, it's fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. All right? The reason why people don't understand tongues is because they're never taught. See, that's why I'm spending some time teaching on it. Okay, so those of you that don't have... See, and the Bible even says that, that, that tongues are a sign to the lost. Because when they hear it, they're like, what is that? What is that? Okay, now that opens the door for you to, to talk to them. Explain to them. That's, the, that's our heavenly language. I remember, uh, I don't know if any of you know Perry Stone. I know he does. Perry Stone had been around for a year. I mean, gosh, when I was in high school, I think he was, he was his ministry was starting. I mean, he's the same age as I am. I'm 65, I think he's 64, getting ready to turn 65. Anyway, years ago, Perry is over in Israel doing a, doing a tour in Jerusalem. And uh, he had this Orthodox Jewish rabbi that he was talking to. And he was talking about, he, he brought up the subject praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And this rabbi says to him, he says, you're talking about the voice of angels. He said, what? He said, yeah, you're, the, 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 the Orthodox Church, we, we, we teach about the, the angels speaking a heavenly language. One that's not understood by regular men. What's he referring to? He, he's, see, so somewhere even in the Orthodox Jew, the Old Testament, which is what the Jews believe, they have, some of them have an understanding about speaking in tongues. And, and Paul said this about speaking. He said, I pray in tongues more than y'all. Like I said last week, that, that proves he was from the southern part of Israel. He said, y'all. But the devil wants to keep you from it. Now, how do you receive it? Well, you receive it by just receiving, saying, Father, I, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. 
Now, you've got that gift in you. Now, the, um, Jessica and your wife, I, when I prayed with them last week, they got the baptism of the Holy Ghost then. Now, are they speaking into? I don't know. But see, it's already there. All they got to do is release it. All they have to do is release it. And how do you, how do you release The Holy Ghost ain't going to come and move your, your lips. He's not going to cause you to speak. You just pray in a language that's not of your own. And in the beginning, it may sound like baby talk. You know, when, when parents have, a, as a newborn, you, you lay this child down in his crib, right? He got a crib at home. You lay him down and you step out of the room and you hear him start talking. And see, you go, oh, isn't that cute? He's baby. No, he's talking to heaven. You don't understand. How old is he? He's nine months away from heaven. Nine months. So the language that he has in him right now is a heavenly language. It takes a human parent to come and say, no, 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 don't say that. No, don't discourage that. Don't discourage that. That is the heavenly language. What happens is we steal it from them. I remember this a few years ago. I was five or six years ago. I heard this report about this couple that they had two children. They had one that was, it was about nine months, somewhere around here, maybe 12, 13 months. How old are they when they talk, start talking? 15, 16? It was around nine months. Had, had a little brother who was nine months old. Had another one who was four years old. And they had, they had the video equipment in the, in the, in the room watching the, you know, to watch the kids. And the four-year-old comes up to the crib of the nine-month-old. Anyway, he couldn't talk regular language. And he says to his brother, now, Joey, tell me again what heaven was like. I forgot. And Joey goes, so why you go, ma, yeah, 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 and has this five-minute conversation. And the four-year-old goes, oh, thank you so much. I remember. I remember. I remember. See these things. That's what Jesus said. Come to me as little children. As little children. They're not that far removed from heaven. They know the talk. They remember. Life steals it from them. Now, now the Spirit of God is giving it back to you. He's giving it back to you. Glory to God. Did you all get something today? Praise God. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to God. I'm telling you as, you, as you continue to hunger and come, you'll, we'll see more of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit manifest by hunger. They don't manifest by prayer, by hunger. You come hungering for the things of God. We'll see more. We'll see more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory. There's somebody here. You, you've got some breathing problems. I'm hearing this in the Spirit. Just right where you are, the Lord's ministering to you. 
right now in the name of Jesus. Ah, uh, mm. the Spirit of God's ministering to you right now. Lungs are opening up. There's, there's passages that are opening in the name of Jesus. Right there, right there. Yeah, that's it, that's it. That's it. Hallelujah. 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 Well, those problems that you're having in the rest of your body, a lot of it has to do with your lungs that the Lord's just opening up right now. See, that? if you can't breathe right, you know that can cause problems in the rest of your body. It can cause soreness in your rib cage. It can cause soreness in your back because, why well, you're not breathing right. So all those things are interconnected. Interconnected in the name of Jesus. In, in the name of Jesus. You know. Yeah, you know. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. I'd give you a microphone and let you t talk to him and tell him. Yes, I know you want to. You do want to. See, he's got, he's got some, I put a smile on his face. He's like, I, I want to. I want to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot to say. You got a lot to say. Come here. Come here. You come to me. So precious. So precious. Hallelujah. So precious. That's okay. That's okay. You can have that part. You can have that part. Is this your cousin? Is that your cousin? Look at your cousin. Tell your cousin something. Tell her something. Say Pandora. The Spirit of God is upon you. The Spirit of God is upon you. Look at, look, yes. The Spirit of God is upon her. See that? You remember that, right? The Spirit of God is upon her. Yeah. 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 Shh. There it is. There it is. Shh. Who do we have here? Who do we have here? Hmm? Here's John. Here's John. Do you know John? Do you know John? John. Show him. Show him. He said yes. Shh. Take it. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Times of refreshing are upon you. Times of refreshing are upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The power of God flows richly through him. Richly through him. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Prophet of God. Prophet of God. Prophet of God. Yes. Here, I'll give you back to mom and dad. 
Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. He, yeah, I know. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get it back sometime. <laughs> He'll find something better to play with. Glory to God. We're okay. Well, I call you the head, not the tail. Above, not beneath. Listen to me now. Everything you put your hands to prospers in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. It's done.